the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. It's Communion Sunday, and our communion meditation is taken from Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 11 to 13. As always, we have them printed if you have a bulletin, and we also have them uh, uh, posted up here on the screen. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. The message this morning is finding true rest in God. Underline the word true. Finding true rest in God. The writer of Hebrews writes, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eye of Him to whom we must give account. Just a little bit of a background and context on the book or the epistle to the Hebrews. This book in context, was written to address the supremacy of Jesus in his life, his death, and his resurrection. The supremacy of the coming of Jesus to fulfill every requirement that God has so that he can complete the redemptive plan that he has for the world. This, in in its micro sense, uh, was written, uh, was addressed mainly to Hebrew Christians who were trying to seek comfort and security back into the ways of the Old Covenant. The book declares that the Old Covenant requirements, its institutions, and everything about the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, has now found its fulfillment, its complete fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to the throne of power. When Jesus came, Jesus now became our high priest. We don't need mediation from anyone else. We don't need mediation from any other authority, but in the name of Jesus, he becomes our high priest. But guess what? He's not only the high priest that should offer a sacrifice, he is the sacrifice as well. And that's a profound 
profound biblical truth. Jesus is the priest. He's also the sacrifice because he is the one that completed, completed the requirements that God has from the foundation of the world. We can now be assured, all of us, through all generations, old, new, the coming generation, we can now rest on the fact that Jesus is our true rest. The true rest for our soul, the true rest for our hearts. Okay? If you want to find true rest for your heart, and I emphasize the heart, true rest for the soul, you find it in Jesus. There are no other sources of security and satisfaction in life apart from the sacrifice that Jesus has already achieved for all of us. To rest in God then simply means we look to no one else for answers to any questions or issues that pertain to our destiny in our everyday life as it relates to our daily living, as it relates to our salvation now and in the future. There's no other source of answers. No other security can be found in any other name but in the name of Jesus. The book, uh, interestingly, makes an analogy of resting in God in the same way that God rested from His work after He created everything. And that's in the, it, that's in the same chapter. The Bible says, in, actually in, in uh, Hebrews 4, just a few verses below our text, Hebrews 4, 4 says that in the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Now, I want you to think about that very, very, uh, very quickly. I just put that in your mind. What does it have to do with our own resting in God? The fact that he rested from his work of creation. What's the significance of that analogy? Listen, it speaks of completion. Of, God, of the completion of God's entire plan and purposes for His creation. That includes the redemptive plan. Did you know that God included that in all of His creative power, in all the creative expressions that He made? He included the redemption of all humanity through, through Jesus. And he, it, what's included also in that is the restoration of all of the fallen world someday. Do you ever wonder why you're at church this morning? You know what, what the Bible calls this moment, the fact that we gathered here today to just sing these songs and worship God? This is what you call Sabbath rest. This is a celebration of God resting from His work. And do you know why we gather? We gather here today because we are truly resting in that fact. It's called the Sabbath day. That's why it's in the Ten Commandments. You shall honor the Sabbath. You know why? Because it's a testimony that we are truly resting in the completed work of God in creation. What's the significance of that? If you and I truly believe that God rested on the seventh day when he created everything, we also must believe that God have already considered all possibilities that can ever happen in life. All contingencies have already been planned for and thought of by God. In other words, you hear this pastor say this every Sunday, okay? Nothing will ever happen to you and I outside what God has already known. And He knows everything. So it's not just a cliche. It's not just a, 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 
a, a word of motivation. What I'm saying when I say that every Sunday is that you can now rest on the fact that God completed His work. You can no longer refuse to worship God just because you know there's an upcoming war that's brewing. You can no longer say, I can't worship God anymore because you know what? I got this, this potential to be laid off from my work or I'm getting sick, you know, I'm, I'm, I have these issues. Listen, when God completed His work on the seventh day, all contingencies, all possibilities, all eventualities have been taken into consideration by God and nothing will ever happen to us outside His supreme sovereign knowledge. And if you can't say praise God to that, this, this is a bad preacher. That's why you're here this morning. When God rested in His work of creation, He considered everything. Nothing will be hidden from God. Nothing will surprise God. Amen? And you will not be surprised by God at all. Because God completed the rest. And God says, I work all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. You ever wonder what that means? It means because God rested from his creation, he understands and knows everything. And even though bad things happen, he works it out for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. I mean, that's, that's something to, to really think about and embrace. The rest, then, that this passage is referring to is that state of complete confidence that nothing will ever happen to us without God's superintendence. That's a good word. I'm not saying it's a good word because I'm saying it. I'm saying it because the Scripture testifies to the fact that God's work is complete. He doesn't do a haphazard job. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you may be a work in progress, but take heart, you will be completed. There will be an end game to everybody. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that end game is good. It's pleasing. It conforms to the perfect will of God. How do we respond to that? One word, trust. That's a big word in the Bible. Trust, that's how we respond. That's the main point of this book, especially articulated here in chapter 4. You know what this, the context of this, chapter 4? God offered his people entrance to his rest. You know, it was pictured in the Bible as the promised land, right? He rescued his people from slavery, and the darkness of living in, in, in captivity in Egypt brought them all the way there, all the way to the promised land. He promised them, I'll get you there. I'll take you there. Okay? He promised to bring his people um, rest, but not everybody made it. Why didn't everybody make it? Trust. They couldn't put their trust in what God said. All right? So I'm, I'm emphasizing that because it's critical. It's critical. Today, we have been offered that same rest. But it's now, it's a more complete, complete offer because of Jesus. Everybody finds true rest in Jesus. Outside 
Jesus, there can be no true rest for the heart and soul of a person. Again, the question we're going to answer is, how do we access this rest? Now, I'm going to give you several thoughts. Three of them, in fact. Three verses, three thoughts. It's as simple as that, okay? But don't check me out. These are foundational thoughts. Foundational. What does that mean? It means it's basic. They are basic insights. They are basic thoughts. Don't, don't shout me out saying, Pastor, I'm already done with the foundational stuff. I don't want you to keep harping away at the basic stuff. Listen to me again. I said it last Sunday. I'm saying it again today. The deepest truths in the Scriptures are the basic truths of the Scriptures. The deepest truths in the Bible are the foundational truths in the Bible. Just like in a house. You know what the deepest part of the house is that holds everything? It's the foundation. Have you met a carpenter that puts the foundation on the third floor bedroom? Some carpenter that would be. No, 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 no. The deepest part, the strongest part in the house is the foundation. So when I talk about the basic truths of scriptures, don't shut it down because you've been a Christian for a long, long time. These are foundational to your understanding of mine of what it means to find true rest in God. And here is the key word this morning. The key to true rest in God is God's truth and our obedience to his word. Okay? You want to find true rest? Obey the word of Christ. Now, that's pretty basic, Pastor. It is. But it's the deepest kind of truth you and I can ever receive. Obedience to the word of Christ. Now, here are three insights that might help us. Three thoughts that might help us get a hold of what it means to enter God's rest. First of all, number one. Resting in God is a response of faith. The whole book of Hebrews is talking about putting our faith in the word of Christ and rejecting unbelief, okay? So you have to always think about faith and unbelief, you know, in your head when you're reading this letter, this book. Resting in God is our response of faith. It's done in faith. We cannot find rest in God unless we take that step of faith to trust Him. Why? Because trust, faith, produces trust, and trust inevitably and obviously will lead to obedience to His Word. That's basically the flow. Faith produces trust, that leads to obedience to the Word of God. Look at verse 11 again. It says, Let us therefore, what? Make every effort to enter that rest. So there's something on our part here that we have to do. We must make every effort to enter the rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Who are these people who have disobeyed the word and never entered the rest. We will find out in a minute. But the verse refers to those who have heard the word of God, but did not take the steps necessary, the steps of faith necessary to obey what God has already told them. They heard, 
but they did not obey. In chapter 3 of this, this book, verse 16 to 19, tells us who these people were. It says, who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, those whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their what? Unbelief. God said to his people, I will deliver you from the captivity of slavery, the bondage of slavery in Egypt, and bring you to a land of promise. Then I will be your God, and you will be my people. Obviously, they all heard it, but not everybody really heard it right enough to trust in the word. Amen? Okay? There's, it's one thing to hear, and it's even one thing to understand, but it's another to really believe and obey. Okay, there's a big difference there. Obviously, not everyone who heard believed that God will really deliver them. What happened when they started hearing but not believing and obeying? They started sinning against God. They started moaning and groaning against God. And they started complaining against God. They become dissatisfied with God was the big problem. That dissatisfaction of the people led to idolatry. And that idolatry got God very, very upset, very, very angry. And he vowed that those people who heard him but did not obey his word, did not trust his word to a point of obedience, will never enter his rest. That's a very clear picture of unbelief. Or the absence of faith in God. It starts with dissatisfaction. Are you dissatisfied with God? This is Communion Sunday, so you have to expect this type of sermons. And we're going to get to the heart of the Lord's Supper this morning before we partake of it. It starts with dissatisfaction. That dissatisfaction leads to what? It leads to complaining. Complaining leads to presumptions. Okay? If first you complain... Because you're dissatisfied. And that dissatisfaction not only leads to uh, complaining, but, but it leads to presumption. And you know what that presumption is from these people? They, they looked at their situation and they said, it would have been better if we stayed in Egypt. At least there we had three squares a day. And the basic necessities of life. We have a roof over our heads, shirts on our backs. We got food to eat. Look at where we are. We trusted in God. Look at where we are. We found ourselves in the desert. We don't even have anything to eat here. We don't even have any covering from anything. Even though God has promised he will sustain you in those periods of life. They started complaining. And that presumption led to idolatry. In this case, they built a golden calf to replace Almighty God. What was the problem really? Were these people really that stupid to go against God? No, no, they're not. They just didn't believe. It's the bottom line. They had a struggle in the heart to believe in God. It's true then, 
It's true now. They simply didn't respond in faith to the word that they've already heard. Okay? They looked at what's going on in their life and decided that they can solve it themselves. And decided that, oh, God is God, God is true, but I'm going to go ahead and fix this problem myself. It's true then, and it's true with a lot of people even today. Now, Jesus is our rest. And you know the rest that Jesus offers? The same rest that God offered in the Old Testament? It's the rest of the heart and the soul. It's never intended to take care of what's going on in the circumstantial events of life, in the physical realm. That's what God promised the Israelites. That promised rest might have been uh, demonstrated by God in the form of a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, but the intention that God has is to have them rest in Him, in their heart and in their soul, not in what they see. But what did these people do? They started looking at their situation and they started saying, it's better had we not listened to God. Rest that is promised to us is not physical rest or material rest, but a sense of lasting peace in our hearts and minds. The people who did this looked at the temporal situation, looked at their temporal needs, and that's a bad sign. That's a sign of unbelief. They decided that God, listen to this, they, they decided that before they trust in God, they decided that before they hear God, that, they, that before they put their faith in God, they decided that God has to take care of their physical and material needs first. That's the mindset that these people have. I, I want to believe in God, but He has to fix my situation first. He has to fix what I'm going through. Then I will listen then I will respond to him in faith. They started complaining and started saying, we, should, we, we were better off the way we used to live. When I didn't believe in Jesus, I was better off because I got a lot more friends. I got a lot more opportunities in the world. No, one, no one's blasting me for my testimony. The rest that Jesus was offering has an eternal dimension, never a temporal thing. I want you to think about that. The rest that God offers each and every person is the rest of the heart and the rest of the soul. It's geared towards the hope of a future in eternity with Him. We are to respond in faith to the Word of Christ on the basis of a future hope, not on the basis of our present reality. That's what true believing is. That's what true faith is. That's what resting in God is. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's resting in Christ. All right? Practically every decision we make must be filtered through the Word of Christ, through the Word of God. If we truly have faith in the Word of Christ, we will filter everything that happens in our life. It affects every area of our life, okay? You know, when I say this, I mean, I, I run the risk of being mis, mis, misunderstood as to saying, do you mean to tell me God isn't going to help me in my present situation if I'm sick? Are you saying that he's not going to heal me? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, saying God says I will supply your need. All right? God is not uh, going to withhold 
you know, blessing you or anything like that. But here's the problem. If that's the focus, if the focus is the blessing and not the blesser, as you hear the cliche being mentioned all the time, you're in deep trouble already. Because you can be the holiest, greatest Christian and go through trials and tribulations just like everybody else. We have never been spared by those. I mean, if you read the Bible, nearly every character in the Bible had to go through the fires of adversities. Nearly everybody. Nearly, in fact, I, I can confidently say everybody had to go through the fires of adversities. The point of faith, the point of believing is that we Put our hope in the future glory that awaits us. That's the hope. We cannot bank on all the temporal things that are happening in our world. What are we called to do with our faith? We are to persevere in our faith right here and right now for a future preservation. Perseverance now in faith results in preservation in the future. Now that's a deep theological Christian thing. Thing that you and I need to grasp this morning. Perseverance today, regardless of what's going on, produces preservation in the future. That's what it means to truly rest in God. Because you know God is going to preserve you until the day of Christ. Amen? You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.